Welcome to another edition of the In The Paint Show, episode 157, presented by Ball Is Life here with my co-host Chelsea Hopkins. Our guy, Ani Amon, is feeling a little other weather, so we're going to go without him. We got talked to him a little bit. He gave me some little insight on what he saw in Texas, and obviously the season is over uh, in California, the high school season. Chelsea, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Ronnie. I am hurting because we had a very tough game last night, so I'm just, you know, enjoying my off yeah. day, trying to recover. Uh, we are smack dab in the middle of the playoffs, so every game is pretty intense, but uh, we won, and, you know, we're on our way to, to getting, a hopefully, a, a high seed in the Final Four, so I can't complain. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing a really busy time. Obviously, we got the Balls Life All-American game coming up May 6th in Southern California. That should be good. Uh, we got just busy time with high school season ending. Obviously, when we jump on the pod – Again, this one might be short and sweet. Again, we don't have our, our guy Ani on, but, you know, we're always talking about something coming up. And I have to admit, you know, when when I first heard this, I, I was like, what what is going on? And I'm speaking of the incident with Sean Kemp. And it's a, like he was involved in a drive-by shooting. I'm like, Sean Kemp is involved in a drive-by shooting. And I'm trying to process it. And I'm thinking like and – I, and I was hanging out with my buddy who actually – uh, a childhood friend who loved Sean Kemp. And I was like, Sean Kemp. So it came, It comes out that that's not really like exactly what happened, the headlines, right? And I could just picture Sean Kemp in a parking lot and he's in a, and he's telling the policeman like, hey, those are the guys over there that are shooting at me. Like, I just can't picture that. So, you know, again, it turned out an incident where it looked like against reports said that, you know, his, it, his items were stolen, including an iPhone, and he kind of tracked them down. And I'm just thinking, yeah, I was stealing Sean Kemp's iPhone. Like, I wouldn't do that. I don't know. We're always talking about guns. We've, we've talked about that a lot. It's actually something we're going to talk about again. But and we talked about that with John Moran and his Instagram live. We've talked about, obviously, that with Brandon Miller, the situation. Obviously, he didn't, you know, wasn't involved in anything illegal, but it, it he was involved in the incident. You know, is that just kind of something, Chelsea, that we're going to continue to hear? And, and it's just uh, in our society, pervasive in our society. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Um, we obviously have a gun problem in America. Um, yeah. But I think with at least some of these instances, especially with the Sean Kemp incident, like context yeah. matters. You know, sure. when, when the reports first broke, it was Sean Kemp drive-by shooting. So everybody's like, wait, what? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it totally like blew your mind. And then reports yeah. come out later that he had some property stolen. Uh, he used the, you know, find your iPhone app, you know, found the perp that had his phone or his belongings. Yeah. And then apparently when he went to retrieve his belongings, uh, he yeah. was shot at. So he returned, yeah. you know, shots in the crossfire. Yeah. So. I'm not really saying that that makes it okay, but it's a little different than Sean Kemp drive-by shooting, you know? So yeah. either way, you know, it's become too prevalent, just gun incidents. And yeah. um, obviously they just happen every day, but when you have these figures, you know, Sean Kemp, John Morant, you know, high profile uh, NCAA athletes that are, you know, involved in these you know, these things, then they're going to draw attention. And, and it's just not a good look um, kind of any way you break it down. Um Especially, you know, I, I think about John Moran and I want to get your kind of perspective on this, like young um, comes off a little bit immature, you know, sure. to me at times, um, you, you know, you see his interactions with uh, people on social media kind of going back and forth and just, you know, little uh, incidents he's had in the past. And, you know, I just kind of wonder why, like you are a high profile figure, you're making a ton of money and with me, I don't even think his is so much about the guns, but more so like this persona that he wants to, you know, kind of yeah. give off. So, so what do you think about about Ja and what he's got going on these days? I think, you know, this is a good time to, like you said, reset and take a step back, like detox. And when we say detox, it could be detox just from his environment, maybe some of his hanger on friends. Uh, you know, again, maturing, we talk about maturing. I don't know if it's a detox. You know, I've heard reports that he maybe need to uh, watch his alcohol. You know, I've heard that again. I, I'm not speaking from 100% fact, but I can see that. And 
he just I can see why he's in a, a rehab facility. He may just need to be like restart, like as much as he uses his phone, all of that. Like get rid of some contacts you have in your phone. It's kind of like when Tiger Woods got in his incident where he ran into a tree and his ex-wife him, they got into a, you know, like a domestic dispute and he he busted his car in a tree. Like he needed a reset, like a totally reset, you know. And I, I think John and to his for a good for a thing is that he's young and that he has time to like totally revamp all that. You know how when you compare to like somebody who's toward the end of their pro career where it's already, he's went through all that and, and, and it just keeps going back and forth. I think he's young enough where he can like revamp himself and kind of like reinvent his, um his whole demeanor, not necessarily his demeanor, his, his whole persona, like you said, in, per, in, in public, his public persona, you know, he has time to rehabilitate his image. It's not broken anything like that so I, I think that's a good thing uh i hope he does well but yeah as far as like uh i, I just think that's society where we're at we're addicted to uh the mediums we use uh, whether it's our phone uh you know some people are addicted to like uh that style that a style they have maybe some people like they said they go out too much some people are infatuated with guns some people are infatuated whatever you have we all have our vices some of some of it is just more dangerous than others for me like for me personally i'm probably on my computer a little too much that's it's not good for a good thing it's not carrying a gun going crazy but it's not a good thing so we all have our vices i don't know what you if you have a vice chelsea that's like yeah i gotta work on that but for him it's all in the public and it's he puts it he puts it all out on the public that's like he needs to stop doing that yeah no and i totally agree with you i think too much of anything is probably not good yeah. Um, I heard the reports about John ja checking into a rehab facility in Florida, but I didn't really know what it was for. Like they didn't yeah. say, you know, alcoholism. I mean, yeah. is he in rehab because he flashed a gun? Like, you know, we haven't really kind of got more details yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but but I'm happy that, you know, not that this happened, but that he's going to have a chance, like you said, to to make things right. Yeah. And And not that he necessarily you know, did anything that was terribly wrong. But here's a kid that, you know, the NBA is dying to make the face yeah. of the league one day. Yeah. He's, he's so charismatic, so likable. He's always dancing, you know. Uh, he just got a Nike signature shoe. And, yeah. I mean, that's a big deal, Ronnie. They're, Nike's not just passing out signature shoes. Like, I yeah. can make an argument for a couple of players that probably should have got it before Ja. Um, yeah. Devin Booker is one that, you know, kind of comes to mind, who's been wearing the Nike Kobe P.E.'s like forever and he didn't even get the deal so sure. so there's obviously something special about this kid and and i don't want to see it you know burst into flames like yeah. just so much talent so much potential you know on the court and you know his ability to generate you know generational wealth for his family off the court you know he yeah. has all these deals going on i saw that he did something with i think either powerade or gatorade and they pulled the commercials recently because because of the incident so i i just I just think that Ja is getting in his own way. And sometimes when yeah. you're young, you don't always see it. And, you know, he's touching more money than he ever has in his life, even though he's not, you know, a kid that comes from necessarily poverty, you know, sure. but you're just, you're just in this situation where you have to kind of learn how to adapt. So I'm happy that he's in this facility. I hope he gets the help that he needs. And, and, you know, I, I use my words carefully because I don't want to make it seem like he's a monster and something's wrong with him. But, but I don't want to see him throw, you know, all this away. And sure. when I look at him, I think about uh, I was listening to an interview a while back. Uh, the rapper Waka Flocka, he was he was being interviewed and he just made a comment about when God blesses you in whatever yeah. industry, you know, you're in or wherever you came from, you have to let some stuff go. Like, yeah. you know, Jay-Z sold drugs and did whatever he did. But but once he got on, like, you got to let that go. We, sure. we, we see Young Thug, you know, right now facing basically a lifetime prison sentence because, you know, he, he hit the ground running in the rap game. But then he's still doing, you know, he got hit with the Rico case at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, I use these examples because it's just you don't want to see somebody like John Morant throw all this away just for making stupid decisions. And, and that's all he's done at this point. So I'm glad they're intervening and trying to, you know, nip it in the bud before it goes too far. And, and hopefully he'll learn from this and then continue to be the star that he is. Yeah, because if I see that video and he's in a strip club and somebody sold the video or, get, you know, and I'm think, I, sh I would be thinking to myself, OK, dude, am I really if you're kind of like wising up and 
detoxing from your friends and, and changing your phone number and getting away from people, like you said, Chelsea, for an indefinite amount of time. I'm looking at that and being like, yeah, I don't really need to do that. Like somebody played him in that club or whatever, and he's throwing money around. He's going through it pretty fast. It's it should be an eye opening regardless of your 23, 25, 30, 32. Like you should be like, OK, yeah, I probably don't need this in my life. It's it's he he he, he somebody's make, making him look bad. And like you said, they're doing it at his expense. It's one thing when you like he's. He's spending all the money. He's spending his money for other yeah. people, and yeah. they're going in the club with him. Maybe he's going with a lot of people. That 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 gets old. I've seen that before, you know. And it, it it's mm-hmm. you you wake up. So that's what I think. I, I again, hopefully he does good. But uh, yeah, speaking of that, I want to go back real quick to um, what you said a couple weeks ago, and you're like, hey, this they can fix this by, and meaning the load management issue in the NBA. And now it's coming to fruition, kind of what you said. It looks like they're negotiating, uh, like, player awards and, and other milestones that are affects people's contract. It looks like that's going to be part of the new collective bargaining agreement. Chelsea, what do you think of that real quick? I know you think it's a good thing because you mentioned that as one of your solutions, but do you think that's uh, – are you glad that that's coming to fruition now? And, and what's your comments on that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I like that they're doing it the right way. I think when you do it with the CBA and you have the Players Association involved – you know, it's yeah. a collective thing. It's not just the NBA yeah. saying, all right, he's going to play, you know, yeah. this amount. So it's something that's going to be agreed upon because I think yeah. the players can make an argument that they have grievances about, you know, some of the players that are chosen, you know, for certain awards and, you know, have sat out yeah. a, a sizable amount of games. Um, so yeah. I, I don't think that it's just, you know, an argument of, you know, the the management or, or even the fans. Like, I think it's just the best for all parties. So I like to see yeah. that it's going to be, something that's going to be equally agreed upon. And, and I think it's just going to improve the overall product. You know, they yeah. can make some tweaks to the, to the all-star game as well. Um, oh, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's going to, you know, it, this is just the start, but if you do this, people are going to have more, they're going to be more encouraged to, to play, um, you know, especially guys that want that, you know, MVP on their resume. And I, I definitely think it's a good thing. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, again, because when the, the, as long as the TV contracts continue to go up the, the players, you know, salary cap's going to go up. It, it, it's going to be so uh, insane in terms of the money that the average American is going to think that, that the NBA players make, that they're going to need to put a continue to put a good product out on the floor. I do think it's a good product. Like you said, people tend to watch in the playoffs. But, yeah, that the, what they happened at the All-Star game this past year and, like, some of these issues with load management got to be fixed because it is ruining the product a little bit. That's all you hear about, you know. You have the old guys, as you mentioned, the old heads, the Charles Barkley's of the world, kind of always ripping the product, in essence. And then you have people like, boy, you don't understand these young guys and what they're going through. And then, you know, like you said, if, if there's continuing to be incidents like John Morant's, then people are going to say, yeah, you know, uh, some of these guys, you know, what are we doing here? They're they're playing 60 games. They're, you know, they're 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 sitting out games and they're blowing all this money and getting themselves into trouble. So, yeah, we, we want to get away from that. And. I do agree with you. I think it's a good thing. Real quick, Chelsea, what do you think so far about, like, as we're speaking about this issue, is like the NBA's MVP? Because we're in such an offensive league right now. We have all these players putting up these incredible numbers, like, and everybody's debating it. Then it even got almost like racial, like you said, the makeup of the voting. You know, Kendrick Perkins had something to say to J.J. Redick, and and people were going back. Everybody seems to have their opinion about that. Like I said on many of our previous episodes, we didn't really get into the MVP talk like that. So I guess it's a good thing because it, it keeps the discourse going. But I want to get your opinion about that. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've read the headlines, you know, yeah. that have come about, you know, in the in the last couple of yeah. weeks just regarding probably Jokic getting his third MVP in a row. And, yeah. you know, I've heard some of the arguments and, and I never want to make anything like racial. Like yeah. I, I think yeah. Joker is very deserving of the award based off of, you know, his yeah. stats and what he's been able to accomplish. Um, I think there's some valid points in terms of like the criteria and how we are making the selection. You know, obviously there's a committee who's doing the pick, but, you know, sometimes it just didn't make sense for me. Not so much with, you know, Joker being the MVP now, but just some of the MVPs that were, you know, that we've seen in the past. We've talked about how I how I felt, you know, Nash got Kobe's MVP. And when I broke stuff down, I'm like, no, there is no way that Nash should have got his MVP and Kobe didn't. So I just personally would like to see more information about the criteria and what goes into making the selection. 
because yeah. I think that will give us a better understanding of why somebody got something as opposed to just us speculating, oh, it's racial. Oh, it's yeah. this, oh, it's that. Like there has to be some type of method. There has to be some type of winning element to it. There has to be some type of, you know, are these numbers actually meaningful or are they in garbage time, stat padding, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know the concept that Kendra Perkin brought up. So I, I, I do not think that Joker is not deserving of the award. You know, I can make yeah. a case for a couple other guys in the league. Joel Embiid has been exceptional. He was exceptional last year. Um, but I, I just want to know the criteria. Like if yeah. there, there's a method to, to everything. We use analytics so much in basketball to break sure. down every single thing. So I want to know the analytics on how they make this decision. And if they can make it make sense, I think people would be more accepting of whatever the, you know, whoever the winner was. No doubt. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, I'm along that lines. I, I it's a lot. MVP's always been up for debate. It's his perspective. Some guys have been robbed. You know, like I said, I said one time when, when we're talking about three in a row, maybe a joker, Larry Bird did that. And we all knew then coming up like, okay, Magic's going to start winning some MVPs. It's Magic's time. And sure enough, that happened. It probably cost Michael Jordan an MVP because he mm -hmm. won in 88, but he was probably deserving in 89. Like, he really was, you know. He just, yeah. But, like, we didn't. it wasn't as big a deal. Like, everybody wasn't going crazy over it. It was just, like, kind of how how was how was it all meant to be. And, 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 and I think it's a good discourse, you know. Uh, again, as long as people don't take it so personal, take personal shots at each other. A lot of great players, like you said, Embiid. Uh, again, we're in an offensive era, so there's going to be a lot of great numbers. But I, I have no problem with, with Jokic winning the MVP if indeed he does the pick. Because, again, I don't know if that's going to be the actual, like, MVP as we look back of the season. Like, oh, yeah, like if Giannis or somebody steps up in the playoffs. So, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you always go back to that, like, oh, but look at who stepped up in the playoffs. So, we'll, we'll see that. And we'll, we'll be talking about the, the uh, NBA, you know, playoffs very soon. We have the WNBA. Uh, preview of upcoming Chelsea. Uh, we got some special guests uh, lined up for that. You know, just real quick, as you feel about that, as your season's going, you guys are gearing up. I know you guys are on a winning streak. Um, you know, what do you feel about that? Like just the 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 grind of a season, it coming to an end, regardless of what Ani says. You know, you and others that they want, like kind of like you know, as a professional, do you just like, hey, I'm locked in, we're playing good, I, I'm healthy for the most part, I got to recover on my off days? Or do you see a bigger picture like, wow, this is going to change for me and it's going to be an adjustment? Well, honestly, I don't think it's really going to hit me until I get to that point. Sure. Um, right now, like, I always pray about just kind of staying present. Okay. Next week or even two months from now, like, and I'm not in a rush for this to be over, you know, or, or any scenario. Like, I, I just want to enjoy the moment. Um, I want to enjoy, you know, my final days as a basketball player. And, and in just keeping that mindset, I've been hooping. Like my mom's yeah. been out here. She came to visit me and my last two games were really good. Um, we won those games. We're actually on a seven game winning streak. Um, we have three, basically more games until the final four. And we're just one win away from securing the final four and a couple wins away from, securing maybe a two seed or a three seed you know wow um so it's an exciting time and and for me like this has been the most competitive i guess like kind of regular season that i've that i've been in so it's exciting because you know i'm usually at the top where you know this little round robin of games that we're playing right now maybe aren't really relevant to who's going to the final four I but see. now the standings are so close and you literally drop one game and you go from you know fourth place to sixth place and then you're out of the playoffs you know so so it's been exciting because all the games are super meaningful um i think for me like i get up uh for the more meaningful games like just sure. mentally and and physically and 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 i just take on that challenge so um, it's been good. I, I've been happy. Um, I can't really, you know, besides my body aching and hurting sure. today, like I really can't, you know, complain. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, we have just, you know, four to five weeks left of season in its entirety, whether we go the whole, whole way or not and um, see what happens from there. So, yeah, that makes sense. They're locked in and it's, it's helping you and you're not looking too forward and that's that's a good thing. I and a good thing for your team and for you, obviously, for how you guys play. So that's that's awesome. Hopefully, we're gonna have a little bit of insight more. We'll get to talk to your teammates before you get out yeah. of of Israel. That should be cool. So those should be upcoming again. We're on episode one fifty seven. I wanted to give a shout out uh, to the other ones that are uh, doing podcasts on the Balls Life Network. 
uh, Noble and Rouge, the Retro Room. It's in the game. Four Seasons and Street Ball with Dominic Isaac. Make sure you guys check those out on the Ball is Life podcast network. Um, yeah, you know, just moving forward on the on the high school scene, I, I was in uh, California State playoffs, and and it came to fruition what we talked about, like with the are you the number one seed in a lower div- a lower division or the 16th seed in a higher division? There's six divisions. The open division was won by Harvard Westlake. Uh, North Hollywood, the Southern representative in the open, they bounced back from losing in the regional and, and I'm sorry, bounced back from losing in their sectional and won the regional and won the state tournament against the representative from the North. And it's very interesting that they're from the North at Santa Maria, St. Joseph, Santa Maria. I don't know if you've been to that part of the state in California, Chelsea, but Santa Maria is like in Northern Santa Barbara County, which most people wouldn't even consider North. They yeah. just happen to get put in the North. It's, uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara, but Santa Maria is probably like another 75 miles north. Beautiful wine country. But like most people wouldn't consider that north. Like literally, it's nine hours from the Oregon border. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. three or three hours from the Bay Area. So it, it's the way the state is broken up, like I said. And I think I was talking to the commissioners, a, a few of the section commissioners and the people that are influential in the media and the process. They, they kind of realize that the process needs to change a little bit. You know, the, the, the crowd wasn't very great at, at a golden one center where the Kings were playing. And it's funny because the Kings came off a big win and they were playing Giannis and the bucks on Monday night. So everybody was talking about like how excited they were, but like, then you have two or 3000 people for the high school event in the gym. You know what I mean? So it's like, and they, they, they just, they, they kind of realize they need some adjustments. Um, The Harvard Westlake had a great season. Uh, they only lost two games. They actually lost to uh, Liberty and D. Don Thomas, who's been a, a guest on our pod, in a tournament game. And they lost to St. John Bosco and came back to beat St. John Bosco in the regional. So they end up, you know, with a terrific record. Right now they are sitting. They moved up in the Fab 50, so they're sitting at number 12. Again, a lot of team seasons are over. And in Division One, Notre Dame won. Notre Dame's from their same league, the Mission League. So yeah. the Mission League has... Harvard Westlake, Notre Dame, and Sierra Canyon. And on Tuesday, last Tuesday in the regional, Notre Dame beat Sierra Canyon for the fourth time. Mm-hmm. Again, we were kind of talking about can they beat them, you know, four and it's hard to beat a good team four times. And then they went into the state final. Uh, Harvard Westlake beat Granada, which is a good team. And they beat them uh, pretty pretty fair, uh, 67-58. Our guy, Caleb Foster, who a lot of people think he looked like an All-American. Everybody's like, this guy's playing like an All-American. So yeah. Foster had 33 points, two or three threes, 12 of 17, got in the lane, dominated the game. And uh, Dusty Stromer, his teammate who's going to Gonzaga, was kind of feeling ill and his back was hurt. So he didn't really even have to make much of an impact. And they still rolled. Mercy Miller, masterpiece son, had 17 points in that game. And it goes back to what we're saying about if, Notre Dame would have been in the open division. Uh, then they wouldn't have won a state title probably, or they would have had to beat Harvard yeah. Westlake. But since they were placed in D1, they were the strongest team in the, and they won and they came through. So, yeah. And if, again, they beat Granada pretty, pretty, pretty handily. And they, they even beat Sierra Canyon pretty handily. So Sierra Canyon was one of the top seeds in D1. So if, if Notre Dame would have been in the open, then maybe Sierra Canyon would have been there and there would have been a lot of people there. So that kind of got thrown that off. So that's why that system needs a, needs needs to be changed. We've talked about maybe it going to uh, a Final Four type setting where it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah, and then seed them where it's not necessarily north south because the the south has won uh, of the nine open divisions so far since 2013. Again, two of them were never played because of COVID. The south has won eight of them, so it takes off a little bit of the luster. There's never really hardly a, a team. Uh, from Sacramento, not that many teams. So then you have it in Sacramento where the Bay Area has a much bigger, like, basketball acumen. You know, people just in the Bay love basketball. Now, I'm not really yeah. sure Sacramento's like that. So that, that it was still a good event. The, there was a lot of good play. Uh, Trent Perry had a really great game for Harvard-Westlake. Just his all-around is improving. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists. Just as all generalship running the team, that team really is a um, where their sum is greater than their individual parts. You know, 
Uh, yeah, and Trip Perry is uh, Vegas Elite kid. I watched him right. in the summer. Yeah, okay. Vegas Elite, mm-hmm. and he had a really good season. Honestly, he was the league MVP, and that says a lot because Caleb Foster's in that league. The Sierra Canyon guys are in that league, and he has a senior teammate, uh, Brady Dunlap, who's a whose dad is a is a coach, Jeff Dunlap, a Division One coach, and mm-hmm. he can he's going D one high D one, and he was the MVP of that league. And that, that, that brings up something that's funny because everybody talks about Bronny's accolades and what he's doing and how good is he going to be. And, like, he's second-team all-league. Just, yeah. just again, that's a really strong league, but he's still second-team all-league, you know. And so, but, so just – I'm not going to say anything more than he's second-team yeah. all-league, but he's playing the McDonald's game and playing in Nike Hoop Summit and let people kind of take it from what – for what they think. But, uh, you know, shout-out shout to Harvard-Westlake and those guys. Shout-out to Notre Dame. The other state champions in Division Two, uh, San Joaquin Memorial won their first state title. Shout out to that program. They're from the Fresno area. Again, they've produced a lot of great players. That's their first state title. Division Three is another guest we've had on the pod, Orlando Watkins from Oakland High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to him. They won in D3. Again, people, uh, Dame Lillard is always talking about his team, high school team on Twitter. Yeah. And he, a big shout out. So they won in D3 in division four Valencia won. That wasn't a, again, that wasn't a surprise because when everybody saw that they were in D4, they beat half moon Bay. And that's a great story. Half moon Bay. There was a mass shooting in half moon Bay in uh, January, I believe. And everybody rallied around that team and, and they were glad they got a chance to make a state final. So shout out to half moon Bay Valencia rolled again. If Valencia's in D3, they might even be good in that division. So, and then in Division 5, Linwood with freshman Jason Crow Jr. won. He had another big game. He finished with 1,295 points on the season, which is third all-time in state history. 36 points a game. And he had 36 points in the state title game. That was on last Friday morning. People got a chance to see him. They were very impressed. They have four underclass starters. I think three are freshmen. So, they'll be heard from in the in the future but yeah that's just a quick rundown of the state tournament and like i said i mean we're moving on from that the, the, the season still has about a month we still have indiana going we still have michigan going uh a few other states in the midwest are, are continuing to play but yeah you can check out the new rankings on ballslife.com like i said harvard westlake is up up a, quite a few spots for avenging their losses so they're up to 12 and, and notre dame jumped back in at 48 uh, they're two spots behind Durango. Got to give a shout out to Durango, who won the state championship Vegas. in Nevada. Yeah, you know they uh, they beat Liberty three out of four times. Liberty lost to number forty-seven, Corner Canyon of Utah. They only had two losses. Uh, Corner Canyon is twenty-four and two. Their season continued to play. They're going to probably play in the state championships invitational, April six to eight. But Durango beat Liberty three or four times. Corner Canyon lost to Liberty. And Notre Dame, the team we just talked about, lost to American Fork, who lost to Carter Canyon in the state tournament in Utah. So that just all plays right in a row, you know. It's so yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the updated, you know, Fab Fifty rankings look like at the you know conclusion of some of these tournaments. Um, I know Ani was actually present in a tournament. Um, if he was here with us today, you know, he's under the weather, so he wasn't able to talk about it. But I kind of want to ask you. Um, I know you weren't there, but maybe you have some thoughts on the UIL tournament um, and what went. Yeah, you know, UIL, obviously, University of Interscholastic League in Texas at the Alamo Dome. And Ani said, again, we talked about different state tournaments. Like, it was packed. It was ruckus. It was loud. It was uh, a great event and usually is at the Alamo Dome. The teams want to get a state to have a Final Four. And Mm -hmm. Lake Highlands. Uh, won their first state title since 1968, if you can imagine oh, that. Wow. Yeah, Lake Highlands with our guy Trey Johnson, who, again, who was on our preseason Fat 50 show talking about, hey, we need to improve our defense. We need to be locked in. And, and really, they were locked in the whole season. They won the state championship in the big division, 6A. They beat Beaumont United. Was uh, that a surprise to you? No, they were higher. They, Lake Highlands was came in at number eight in the Fat 50. And Beaumont came in number 13. I think they were slight favorites. So the results win is Ani predicted. Um, So in 5A, Kimball won the state championship. Uh, Kimball is number 36 in the Fab 50. And actually right in front of them is 4A champ Oak Cliff Fay family 
And I believe Ani picked all those right. And Oak Cliff family was in Tarkanian. Uh, so I got a chance to see them and, and they've been ranked two straight years. So with those, with those three games, 4A, 5A, and 6A, we got nationally ranked teams in each game. So that, mm-hmm. that's different than California where they knock them off and they're all in the open division. They're all getting bumped off. So, yeah, you know, uh, Trey Johnson, who's playing like the best junior in the country, if he's not the best junior in the country, you know, again, he might be the best prospect and maybe the best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, but he had a big, big night for uh, Lake Highlands. I did 29 points. Uh, Beaumont United, Chelsea didn't score a field goal in the last four minutes of the game, oh, 454. Wow. So ooh, it was kind of like it's hard to win a tight title that way. Uh, Sasson Alatan was going to Yale. It set a record with uh, seven block shots in that game. And, and Ani said he did really patrol the paint down down the stretch. Again, Beaumont United went a little cold. So, you know, Beaumont United stays number 13 in the Fat 50 this week. They only lost their second game of the season to Booker T. Washington of Houston and to the final game, Lake Highlands. So mm-hmm. they're in front of number Sidwell, 14 Sidwell friends. That's a team they beat. Uh, speaking of a team Beaumont United beat, we just mentioned one uh, in Corner Canyon from Utah. So they only Corner Canyon only lost to Liberty in Vegas and to Beaumont United. So Beaumont United has a really strong uh, overall resume. Uh, resume. And mm-hmm. we talk about Durango. Durango lost to Faith Family at Tarkanian. Uh, Faith Family had a really good season again. Again, they're the 4A champs. Faith Family only lost to Bishop Gorman at Tark, and they lost to Link Academy, and they lost to Modern Day at the buzzer. So, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to Coach Brandon Thomas. He loves to follow this rankings and, and, and things like that. But there wasn't a big Surprise in terms of, of results, Chelsea, like the, the favorites won. It's reflected in our rankings. And I, I would say that I had Oak Cliff Bay family in front of Dallas Carter. Mm. And uh, a lot of local rankings had Dallas Carter higher. But Oak Cliff, I, I just thought nationally they, they, they had a good resume. Yeah. And again, they sometimes with locally, people don't know how good the other teams are. And obviously that's what I've been following for many years. So Kimball lost to Dallas Carter in overtime. So, they're the 5A champs, and they lost to Wheeler of Georgia. Wheeler won uh, the state championship. Our guy, Horace, was right on the money with Wheeler. Wheeler mm-hmm. won the state title, and uh, that was in Georgia. That's the largest division, Class 7A. The second best team in Georgia is probably Kel. Kel breaks into the Fat 50 this week. Kel is at number 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kel has only lost two games. One of them was to Rest Ranch, the team that won the Tark, and they lost to Grayson a team in Georgia. So Tark was really good this year. When you look back at it, you didn't think it at the time, but like a lot of teams emerged as state champs. Uh, West Ranch, excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit, but West Ranch, uh, they gave Cal their loss. They won that tournament, but they they didn't end up winning thing, anything in California. So, uh, you know, that they, they beat Notre Dame twice during the regular season. So all that kind of went as, as planned. Obviously, Isaiah Collier's in running from National Player of the Year. Uh, pretty speaking of national player of the year, it was very interesting. When we talk about the California boys, uh, Chelsea, you know, in the, in the attendance and what we can do to make it better. We want the event to be better. I've been going to it for many, many years. It has its good years and it's really centered a long time. Usually a great player. And so, and, you know, like we said with Ivan Rab, that was the North's great player recently of recent note. And they did win the open, but usually people want to see a great player that, and it's sometimes that's coming from the South. So that also hurt uh, the just kind of the attendance and the buzz because people want to see a uh, maybe a lot of great high flying dunks and a great player on the girls' side because Juju Watkins didn't make it. They got yeah. knocked off by Etawanda. Again, mm-hmm. I was at a game at the Honda Center in Southern California where Etawanda lost to Sierra Canyon. So the rest of the country is like, wait a minute, I thought Etawanda already lost to Sierra Canyon, but they came back and beat them in the regional and then they won at the buzzer against Mitty. Uh, Young lady hit the shot at the buzzer, really on an offensive rebound putback. Uh, so that that was a big moment for her. But again, without Juju Watkins there, that was another draw. You know that maybe a yeah. few more people would want to see. So again, if it was a Final Four, like I said, and you receded it, she would have been there. You Absolutely. Know? So, yeah. So mm-hmm. that that's just something that that hopefully we we keep improving at the statewide level. And you know, Juju Watkins again won the Gatorade. Uh, National Player of the Year. I, I mentioned that because I wanted to talk about her being a Player of the Year. And 
our girl Candace Parker kind of uh, surprised her at, at a photo shoot or a, a team shoot the other day. So that was cool. And Gatorade does a good job of promoting that. And, and, yeah, and, and she was by far the yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that girl's so far ahead. She's so good. And she is going to slide right into college, not miss a beat. And you'll see her in the WNBA um, a couple years yeah. after that. So, yeah. Speaking of on the girls side, let's talk about the girls tournament. I guess the big question I have for you is, can anybody challenge the Gamecocks of South Carolina? Uh, the answer is no. Um, so they did the tournament a little bit different this year. Instead of four regions, there is two, but they split the two regions up into halves, basically. So we have the Greenville one region, and that features your South Carolina Gamecocks as the number one overall seed um, sure. in the tournament. They're in the Greenville one region. Um, they're positioned to repeat, in my opinion. They have the easiest path to the championship. Um, you know, they could run across some teams that they've already beat that would give them a good challenge in uh, maybe number two, Maryland, which they played earlier in the preseason, uh, number four, UCLA. Uh, but I really just, they're too big, too long, too athletic, too well coached, too been there before, done that before, lost game. Like the experience and stuff is just, you know, sometimes you get to these moments and, you know, just it's the team that's just more equipped. So besides them yeah. being more talented, they've been kind of in every scenario. So uh, I definitely have them as the favorites to repeat. Um, and I think that they have the strongest chance. Uh, when I look at the other side of the Greenville, um, well, it's the second bracket. It's called Greenville 2. Uh, that features number one, Indiana. Um, number one, Indiana is, is a really good team. Uh, they have some, some, I guess, strengths that can you challenge maybe South Carolina if sure. they meet them in the final four. Uh, they're a great shooting team. Uh, they have size in the paint. They have an athletic wing who can, you know, keep up with some of those girls on the perimeter. Uh, but ultimately, I still see South Carolina getting by them. Um, in that region as well, they have number two, Utah, and number three, LSU. You know, LSU's wow. been in the headlines a lot. Um, but they did end up losing to Tennessee in their conference tournament after being up like 19 points. So people kind of just looked at them and said, hey, you know, you guys, you know, had LSU behind South Carolina, but, you know, they haven't played the schedule. You know, they don't know what it's like to, you know, to face a lot of adversity. And, and here they sure. go with a 19 point lead and they lose to Tennessee anyway. So, you know, they're in that region. I think it's going to be challenging. I, I really like the guard play in that region, um, especially uh, the Morris guard from LSU, who's very good. But uh, I think that was a little bit of a toss up. Um, I can see Indiana getting out there because I think they're the most complete and deservingly so of a one seed, even though they lost in their conference tournament. Um, but I, I think they have the most complete team uh, to pro to probably get out of that region. But they're definitely going to be tested um, if they, you know, bump into LSU, um, Utah, you know, some of the other kind of high profile teams there. Uh, then on the other side in the Seattle region, it's broken up into Seattle three and Seattle four. Uh, okay. When I look at Seattle three, that features number one overall seed, Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech, nobody originally predicted them being a one seed in the tournament, uh, but they are arguably, uh, not including South Carolina, the hottest team, you know, going into the yeah, tournament. They're on an yeah, 11 game winning streak. Uh, they won the ACC tournament. Um, and basically that's kind of what lifted them into a number one seed and deservingly so. So Virginia Tech is going to be good. Uh, the only thing is, is they are going to run into that, you know, uh, that dynasty that was, I guess, in UConn. Uh, UConn yeah. is the two seed in that region. Uh, UConn had a lot of adversity throughout the season because they've just been crippled by injuries. Uh, yeah. But the truth is, is they're still UConn. They did get their star player back um, in AZ Fudd, who had a knee injury um, yeah. in the season that, you know, kept her out for several games. So she's going to be back for the tournament and UConn's going to be right there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if UConn made it out um, just because of the pedigree and the same stuff that we talked about with South Carolina. Been there before. Uh, when they're healthy, they're probably deserving of a number one seed. Um, so you can make an argument that now that they have their pieces, even though uh, Paige Bukers is not with the team, she tore ACL, so she's out for the entire she's season. The um, season. They still yeah. have a really good player in, 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 in AZ. So I, I, I see them being in the mix and, and, and probably getting out of that region. Um, and then lastly, on the, the second part of Seattle, which is the Seattle 4 region, uh, that features number one, Stanford. Um, this is the region that huh. I'm kind of up in the air about. 
Stanford, as of late, has not been good. Um, yeah, they I was going to say that. They struggled um, in a lot of their closing uh, Pac-12 games. Uh, they ended up losing to Utah, who was is, is a you know top ten ranked team. So it's not like that's a bad loss, but they they've had a lot of struggles as of late. They haven't really looked great. Um, I'm honestly surprised that they were able to squeeze out a one seed because I just don't feel like they're playing like a one seed um, sure. at this juncture of the season. Um, but they did. So they're number one. Number two is Iowa, which is not my sleeper team because they're a number two seed. But this is a dangerous team. Yeah. Um, Iowa has not arguably, but probably the the most dynamic player in women's college basketball in Caitlin Clark. Clark. Yeah. Um, she's exceptional. She is WNBA ready. Um, she is, you know, just all that you can handle. And she can win a lot of games on her own. So, yeah. you know, the truth of the matter is if you catch her uh, on a day where she's just doing a 30-point triple-double and she's not having <laughs> it, like, they could beat everybody, including yeah. South Carolina, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that her team is not as complete as some of these sure. other teams. But there, there isn't another team that has a her. And, and, yeah. and that's the truth of the matter. Um, National Player of the Year, Aaliyah Boston, as amazing and incredible as she is. Um, you know, we've talked so much in the past about the wow factor. Um, yeah. You know, Caitlin Clark is the wow factor. Yeah, Aaliyah yeah. Boston is the best player, um, the best player in NCAA women's basketball. She's the most consistent by far. But but she's on a great team with other great players that are going to yeah. go to the league. And, you know, I, I don't want to downplay her because she's incredible. But when I just have to pick a player that you can say, give me her and I'm going to win a game, I, I, Iowa has that. So yeah. I would not be shocked um, if Iowa gets out of that Seattle four. It would be awesome to see them face UConn um, in the final four. And that's my prediction. Uh, UConn versus Iowa in the Seattle region. Um, and it's going to be South Carolina and mm, – I'm going to say Utah, you know, Utah, Utah wow. is probably my, my surprise pick, but Utah is very good. They're a very good team. Um, like I said, they, you know, are a strong shooting team, which is the Achilles heel of South Carolina. They're more, yeah. you know, athleticism size and how they beat people. Um, but, but I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say number one, South Carolina versus number two, Utah and give me number two, UConn versus number two, Iowa. And those are my final four picks with ultimately South Carolina and UConn meeting in the Battle championship me. and South Carolina repeating as back-to-back NCAA champs. Wow. Great. That's a, I was just going to ask you about Kate and Clark because I, I didn't know where Iowa is, but she's obviously in the Seattle South or Seattle two region. Seattle, yeah. Seattle four. Yeah. Seattle four. So I said South. Yeah, they're Seattle doing four. numbers. They switched it up <laughs> this year in the format, but yeah, Seattle four. Okay. So is, Besides her, because I was going to say where she's at, I was going to ask you that, but you mentioned it as as because you think Stanford is a little shaky. I saw Stanford game uh, against UCLA a few weeks back, and you know during the season, I, I didn't see a Final Four team, so that's why I, I'm I'm with you there as far as you know. Stanford obviously has a name and a pedigree, but maybe they don't get there. Yeah. And, so and is Stanford there two has two WNBA players on their roster? I mean, Cameron Brink is going to go; she's their post player. Yeah. Um, Haley Jones, exceptional wing. Um, so, yeah. so they have people, they have pieces. I'm just talking about just yeah. the chemistry and the momentum going into the tournament. I mean, Stanford lost their last regular season game. They lost in the Pac-12 uh, tournament in the semis to UCLA. They're just yeah. not great right now. So, yeah, they're not hot. They're not. They're not on a roll. Yeah, like you mm -hmm. said, there's some teams that are on a, on a roll. Uh, so, I was going to ask you, besides Caitlin Clark, is there a player out there you want the country to see? Or is, yeah, and maybe she doesn't get to the final four, but is there a player that the country should know about? Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of great players and surprisingly as dynamic as, you know, Caitlin Clark has been this season. She actually does not lead the NCAA in scoring. Wow. Um, that's actually a lady from, or not a lady, a girl who plays for Villanova. Villanova has a, Stacked. Now, I don't want to say stacked team, but Villanova has a roster that is very balanced. Wow. And, and I think besides having a dynamic scorer that can obviously score um, 28 points a game, um, just having other key pieces that are very consistent is kind of what you need in the NCAA tournament. And in, in, in my opinion, like you need 
people that, you know, are going to do what they've always done throughout the regular season. And that's kind of what kind of gets you over the hump um, when you're playing these close games and these tough games. I'm trying to find this girl's name. It really just eluded me and I had it written down, but um, I have to, I have to say her name because she's really that good. So excuse me, but let me go back to my notes that I had written. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always someone like guy like that on on the guy side who who emerges or has a good game or two, and people want to follow. So I was just interested on the girl side. And you say she's from Villanova, so I'll definitely be looking for her, and, and hopefully her team wins a game or two, and she gets you know gets a little more acclaim. No, absolutely. Let me see. Just... Ah, Maddie Segrist. Maddie Segrist. She's a forward. She's six two. She leads the NCAA in a very efficient way in scoring. Wow. So please check her out when you get a chance. Villanova is in, let me go back to the bracket. I believe they're in Greenville too. Um, and their first round matchup. Greenville and Seattle. One and two. Let's <laughs> yeah. see. <laughs> That's um, yeah. Let's see. Oh yeah. I was right. Greenville two. Villanova is the four seed. And because when you, when you have the NCAAs, the leading scorer, I mean, you have to obviously have a chance. Um, you know, you oh, have yeah. somebody that's going to fill it up. But like I told you, I like the balance of the team. Besides, yeah. you know, 28 points a game, it's 10, 12, 8. You know, the consistency that you need to, to just perform. So yeah. that, that could potentially be a sleeper. I, I don't think they have enough in totality to, you know, beat some oh. of these other teams. And I think when you have certain teams like LSU who just play very aggressive, um, they're going to come out. They're going to hit first. They have a star in their own right in Angel Reese. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the teams that I always have to give an edge because I think you need a toughness factor. Um, you know, when you when you when some of these games come down to the wire, but but it would not surprise me, put it that way, if 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 they went deep, deep, deep into into Greenville too, um, and you know made some noise, basically. Yeah, I'll be watching that, and I'm gonna check her out, and honestly, hopefully, check out Kate and Clark, and see if South Carolina can hold and. Hold serve, you know, like do what they're supposed to do. I think that's gonna yeah, be no, the story. You, you have to watch Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark is, is must see TV. Like she she's really <laughs> is, is as good as advertised. Um, I'm not really a person that likes to, you know, boost up these college players because I just feel like yeah. not that they don't deserve it, but I just feel like sometimes when we talk about them going into the league and stuff like that, yeah. the things that they're able to do in college doesn't always translate. Sure. But but when I look at Caitlin, I, I don't look at how much she scores. I look at how she scores. Yeah. And she's just the shot making ability. She's extremely skilled. Um, she can pass the ball. She can rebound the ball. She can pretty much do everything. And she's actually uh, more athletic than, you know, people think. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, bring race into it. But just, uh, you know, as a white girl, she she has a nice oh. athleticism to her. So, you know, that that to me is usually the biggest obstacle when you – when the pace of the WNBA changes and you're surrounded by athletes at every position, but she is going to hold her own. She, she's fast and she's very skilled and skill over athleticism any day in my book, because I feel like it just lasts longer. So she's going to be great. I just want to see her hit. Like, honestly, a no look three pointer, like down the stretch and into like win a tournament game. I just like, you know, when they show the highs, you know, all the time. So, she, you know, 35 footer, 41 footer. It's like, oh, and her teammates just go nuts on the bench. It's just awesome. She is pulling up from the logo. You have to pick her up at half court. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's why I'm saying that wow factor. Like, you're not going to get that from Aaliyah Boston. You're just going to get a wow. She's super consistent and nobody can guard her. And she's going to have a double double every single game. But Caitlin Clark is. Okay, I'm coming over half court. You know, let me hit you real quick with this crossover, and I'm pulling up from three, and it's cash. So yeah, it's what can pretty you say? Amazing. It's yeah. pretty amazing. Uh, we speaking of the tournament, obviously the girls is South Carolina kind of Gamecocks or bust a little bit on the boys' side. We're not even going to spend much time on it because it's just wide open. Like, are yeah. you just going to enjoy it, Chelsea, a bit? Like, I'm just going to enjoy it, watch watch some players that I like maybe and or that I find out about and watch it. I'm going to be totally honest with you on the men's side. I always follow, um, you know, teams that I kind of have a relationship with maybe with, you know, obviously some of the coaches or just teams that I've seen in the past, because maybe uh, they train with, with my trainer back home or, or, you know, you kind of follow people that you have a little bit of a connection to. So obviously I'm rooting for San Diego state. Um, We just won the Mount West conference tournament. 
Uh, we're going to be in the tournament like we always are. And we're always one of those mid-major sleeper teams that can make a deep run and, and, and do well. And um, we haven't been to the Sweet 16 in some years, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing them, you know, get over the hump. Matt Bradley kind of leading the way. So definitely going to be following them. Um, I've seen some of the premier teams in the country because I'm just, you know, you catch them on TV. I, I've seen Kansas. I've seen Alabama. Um, I've seen Houston. And if I had to give you a pick right now, and maybe it's not the one that everybody, you know, is kind of predicting to win the championship, but but I can really see Houston um, doing well. Uh, wow. I think they're gritty. I think they're tough. I think they kind of check all the boxes in terms of what you need to have a championship caliber team and a great coach, uh, dynamic guards and Sasser and Walker. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them win. But honestly, I don't really catch a lot of the men's tournament until – it goes deeper into the, you know, elite eight, uh, final four. And I'm just going to kind of enjoy it and hope that San Diego state makes it that far. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. It's wide open. Again, we're not going to go too deep because, you know, uh, Ani's kind of, uh, was going to give us his spill and breakdown, but not just that it, it's, it's wide open this year. Uh, I look at regions and I see that, you know, like Purdue is in the East. Number one, Duke is a five. Uh, Marquette's a, a two. It's kind of like one of your uh, Seattle regions. Is it's open? You know, I'm looking at South Region, Alabama. They get the number one, deservingly so. Arizona, that's a strong region. Uh, my UC Santa Barbara Gauchos are in there. They're playing Baylor in the three fourteen. They're the fourteen. You know, I will have some interest in that because I I went there. And, you know, they, they, they get in the tournament here and there. Shout out to my guy, Joe Pasternak. He's doing a great job. And then over in the Midwest is uh, your pick. Houston's the top seed. And we mm -hmm. got, you know, Texas as a number two. Obviously, they, they got Rodney Terry, uh, interim coach there. He's doing a good job. You know, and that's a strong bracket. Then you got the Kansas as another, a number one. Again, obviously, Bill Self has done a good job. UCLA is in that bracket in the West. And believe it or not, Chelsea, for the first time ever, the a regional is coming to Vegas. So the second weekend, Vegas will host the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16. So uh, T-Mobile, that will be on which would have to be, what, March 23rd and March 25th. There's a big fight in town that weekend on the 25th. Uh, uh, David Benvenevis is fine. So it's going to be a, a festive event and we'll see how it is. And then eventually the Final Four is going to be in Vegas down the line. But we'll yeah. see that they're going to have one regional there in Vegas. Um, you know, I guess the, the the story of the men's tournament, again, we talk about off the, the court issues and two things that come up real fast are Brandon Miller and and, and his play, how good he is. And then obviously this is an off-court issue. We, we've talked about and broken it down many times. But it's like, can Alabama do it? Or I, I know without saying it, and again, I'll just go on and say it without people saying it on here. A lot of people are rooting for Alabama to lose. You know what I mean? And but also there's a small faction who are like, wow, can Alabama do it? But I know a lot of people are rooting for Alabama to lose. Yeah, and, and I think Alabama will be fueled by that. Yeah. And you know, regardless of if you want them to lose or not, Brandon Miller is as good as advertised. We've yeah. seen him, you know, play through all these chants and all the adversity and stuff as of late and, and be exceptional. So, you know. I, I, people, you know, when, when that whole situation happened, you saw how people wanted to see Alabama punished and, and this kid specifically because he's just uh, so talented, but, but I wouldn't mind seeing Alabama go all the way. And, and they're another team that's going to be right there and certainly have a chance. So um, I, I can see them proving a lot of the haters wrong and kind of just using, you know, that as motivation to, to get the job done. Wow. Yeah. That that's going to be interesting. I, I don't know if they can, Get through. I, I think they're gonna get tripped up somewhere. Um, where where do you see it? Where do you see it happening? Ooh, I think maybe to Arizona. Or, Arizona. or or or, or okay. had Arizona the other day though. Yeah, yeah. And in, in Arizona, you know, maybe they're too strong, like you said. But I, I, I would say that would be the Elite Eight game that maybe Arizona might do it. Uh obviously, uh you know, Tommy Lloyd has had some good teams, but you're going to see if Arizona can get over the hump. UCLA just has those injuries, you know, to Mari Bailey and to Adam Bona. Ross, they, I think they'd be right there. They have a really good team. You know, they don't have a great star. You know, they don't have a guy yeah. of Brandon Miller's ability for the next level, but they got a really mm -hmm. good team. They just don't. Yeah. I saw the Pac-12 tournament. I went to the Pac-12 tournament at T-Mobile a little bit last week. Um, 
boy, they're really thin, Chelsea. I mean, one little ankle turn or a bad stretch, and they, they have no bench. They like, literally no bench. And again, with Bona being a little injured. So uh, real quick, I, I'm just going over that bracket. I would think uh, it would be Kansas or the three seed is Gonzaga. I can see most likely Kansas coming out of there with the UCLA game of trouble. I do like your Houston pick to go out there, but it's, I mean, it's really is wide open. Uh, is there any one player that maybe you haven't got on TV a lot that maybe is a draft choice or it's a, uh, Matt Bradley. It could be anybody that you like kind of want to watch just from any of the teams that you're like, you know, he's a good player. I just want to watch him a little more and hopefully he goes deep. Oh, well, the one kid that, you know, I kind of already mentioned before that I just took a liking to his game, seeing him from earlier in the season is, is the Sasser, the guard from Houston. Houston yeah. Like he can really fill it up. Uh, he's dynamic. I feel like he plays hard on both ends. Um, I really just enjoy watching him. I don't really have too many NCAA favorites. You know, I do follow, obviously, San Diego State, and Matt Bradley is, like, our guy this year. And, you know, I want them to do well. So I, I spoke about Alabama coming out of the other region on the other side. They would actually meet San Diego State in the Sweet 16 um, and have to beat my guys to get there. Uh, but, you know, I like my Houston pick. I like their guards. Um, I don't really have anybody else off the top of my head that really is just, you know, that that I have to watch. I'm just going to catch. Yeah. Makes sense. What about so, you? Do you have anybody uh, off the top of your head? Yeah. I, I You know, I want to see, uh, like, from this from this whole tournament, I do want to see, you know, how, how SoCal does as a team. Uh, I like to see TCU. They're kind of in that in that mix. I want to see if Charles O'Bannon, uh, the Vegas kid, can can help that team go. You know, they kind of made a run a little bit last year in the same region as, as Arizona and Houston. Uh, looking around, you know, I, I I like to see, you know, man, it, it's it's really tough. I you know, St. Mary's Aiden Mahaney got in there as a fifth seed in the West. If they can get by, if they can get by that, you know, five twelve, VCU, that that, that yeah. would be a good thing. If if they can maybe meet a Kansas down the line, you know, Ooh. I would like to see Aiden Mahaney. Who you know, St. Mary's is really good program. They're doing a really yeah. hell of a job. Uh, you know, Randy Bennett there, my guy Randy Bennett is doing a good job. And Aiden Mahaney, I knew he was good in high school, so I would say Aiden Mahaney. Just looking at that now, looking at the bracket a little bit more, I like him, a freshman. Uh, from from uh, Campo Lindo at St. Mary's Moraga. A lot of people don't know where it's at. It's in the Bay Area, but that's what that's kind of what we're looking for. And I'm like you. I'm going to watch it all as much as I can. I'll really watch these first two rounds, get into it, maybe even place a few bets or two, and, and see if I can hit a parlay. And then like I'll, I'll have a good a good sense of what's going on. So that's kind of yeah. where it's at. And I think on the men's side too, it's far more unpredictable than the women's side. Like oh, yeah. on the women's side, you might have, you know, a random one or two, you know, upsets. But for the most part, it's been this way for the last couple of years. The one seeds, the two seeds, they generally advance and it comes down to, you know, I, I don't really I need to look the, the stats up on the women's tournament. But I, I couldn't tell you the last time a five seed or, or, or eight seed, you know, actually won the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like, you know, even though I have Houston as my pick and they're a one seed, it, I just feel like it's more possible with, you know, with on the men's side. And, and we've just seen that in the past. And I remember cra teams that have had crazy runs um, from mid-majors or when, when Butler had that run to the national type, you know, championship game. Like it, it's a lot more unpredictable on the men's end. So it, it would not shock me. Um, to see, you know, some upsets early on that side, I guess. No doubt. And we said UConn won it. You know, they got they just got hot with Shabazz Napier mm -hmm. and the other other guard. They just won it. You know, they could won six in a row. Uh, I see that a little bit on the men's side. The portal, uh, the balance. Mid majors are really good players. Uh, there's so many good men's players. I think on the women's side, it's getting there. But you're right, the elite talent and the better teams are are going to make it through, you know, it it, 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 that's just where it is. And that's where college basketball and women is. It's compared to if you're comparing the women, and the men is kind of like the men's was in the seventies and the old days were the strongest teams advance. And, and, mm -hmm. and that's still going. And one day the women's is going to be more balanced. I, I know mm -hmm. it is because they're going to continue to get better, continue to be more balanced and the tournament's going to be even more popular, you know, uh, is, it, that's just the way it's, it works. It's just evolution. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's always going to be a UConn or a, a South Carolina or whatever school's hot, like whether it's 
UConn or Tennessee, but as as a whole, the the, the thing is going to get better. So we're, we're going to watch it. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we're going to get going here. We got to, like you said, we're just short and sweet. This time we're at about an hour. So we, we appreciate everybody tuning in to episode 157. In the future, we're going to have our W preview. We're going to preview. Um, obviously, we're going to have the NBA draft down the line. We're going to talk a little bit about the Balls Life All-American game. Very busy time, so we may not be on every week. We're definitely going to talk to Chelsea more about her, uh, you know, end of the road of a decade in, uh, in Israel and overseas and, and give some perspective on that. But I think for now, that's about it, Chelsea, unless you have anything else. All good, Ronnie. Yeah. Appreciate everybody tuning in again, and we'll be with you guys soon for Ani, who's not with us, for Chelsea Hopkins and Ronnie Flores. We're out of here, guys. Peace.